Well, good morning. Welcome to Hope Church. My name's Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope, and I'm so excited about the feedback and the life change we've been getting from this series. If it's your first time in the house or you're uh, coming for the first time, we want to celebrate you. You are our VIPs. Can we celebrate all our first-time guests? you're watching online, man, we're so excited that you're here. Go ahead, text, I'm a VIP, one word, I am a VIP to 94090. We celebrate with you. Well, this week, I was looking at a book called Focus, okay? Focus, with the subtitle, The Hidden Driver to Excellence. The Hidden Driver to Excellence. Focus. And from this book, there's one principle that I think begs repeating for week four of this New Year series called Moving Forward. Here it is. The author defines focus. Focus as selective attention. Selective attention. Yes, the ability to discern what not to give your attention to. Here it is. Focus. Focus, focus, focus. Everybody say focus. Yes, it's the ability to discern what not to give your attention to. So while we're looking at all those lights flashing and all that really fun things happening, it's the ability to discern what am I not giving my attention to. We landed on focus. Everybody say focus. Defined as selective attention, the ability to discern what not, ever say what not, (laughs) to give my attention to. When it comes to time management or use of investing energy, Jesus said, I must work the works while it is day of him who sent me. I must work the works of him who sent me while it was still daytime. For when night comes, no man can work. He's articulating his understanding of the limitation of his time and maximizing his moments. So because time is a limited resource, hello, you've got to invest it wisely. And I think it's important to realize that in terms of time, Jesus is simply recognizing people who I can't help. People I can't give my time, energy, effort to. In Matthew 10, Jesus taught his disciples how to manage those people who are not receptive to their ministry. He told them, shake off the dust. Shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next city. Because for everyone who doesn't receive your ministry, there are people waiting in the next place who are waiting on your ministry. They're waiting for you to show up uniquely as you are. So I think it's so important to discern and determine those people who you can't help. Ever say can't help. Again, we're defining focus. Most of the time people think focus is what I need to pay more attention to. But we're defining focus as what selective attention of saying no to, right? It's the ability to selective attention and say no to something in order to keep moving forward. Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet and keep moving forward because there's some people that just can't get your help. And he says, you can't give help. You can't help those who don't want help. So just keep moving. You can't help those who don't know they need help. So just keep moving. And you can't help those who only want you to help them their way. So just keep moving. Again, Jesus to his disciples saying time is a limited resource. You got to move to the people with selective attention and realize there are some people you just can't help. So move forward. I would say move forward. And you got a limited amount of time, disciples. You got tons of people to reach. Jesus said, steward it wisely and help those who you can help. Serve those who you can serve. Uh, uh, Deliver to those who are receptive to what you've got to offer. Are you hearing me? And I think this year is going to be so different for all of us, not simply because of what we choose to do, what we choose to focus on, but also because of what we choose not to do and we choose not to focus on. 
How many of you guys know there's so many voices in our culture today and so many uh, words that compete with each other? And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you discernment to know what not to listen to. You can ignore all these words and you can focus on this word. You hearing me? He says, you can, you can let go of all these opinions and focus on my kingdom opinion and perspective. There's like a difference between choosing what to do and choosing what not to do. And there's a passage of scripture I'd like to look at in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 38. Because I believe in a real sense, it speaks to this idea of focus. And focus gives you the power to move forward. I would say, keep moving forward. Gives you the power to move forward and fight for the things that matter most. And fight right. So it says in verse 38, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over the tunic. He put the sword on and he tried walking around because he wasn't used to it. So he's putting on all this armor. He's putting on something that wasn't made for him. It's custom fit for somebody else. And he tried walking around in it and he wasn't used to it. I cannot go in these, he said to King Saul. Woo, that's a bold statement to a king, right? This doesn't work for me. You have to have some confidence to tell the king, wearing the crown, I can't do that this way, right? I cannot go in these, Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he had the courage to take them off. I would say, take it off. Turn to neighbor and say, took it off. Yeah. Then he took his staff, <laughs> which you're going up against Goliath. With swords and shields. You come at me with sword and shield. I come at you in the name of the Lord most high, right? He took a staff, a stick, a shepherd's stick, and he went down to the brook and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, he went after the Philistine. So he said, This doesn't fit. I'm gonna go with this stick and this sling and this rock. Sticks and stones, right? I'm going with a stick and a rock, and I'm gonna go after this giant that everybody's terrified of for 40 days in their pants afraid, okay? I mean, they're terrified. The clause for concern is really found in verse 39 where David says to Saul, I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. And the last phrase, the verse he says, so he took them off. One more time, tell your neighbor, take it off. Take it off, take it off. The ability to focus, selective attention. I recently read a quote that said, difference makers are so different. And I think that's a profound principle because people, uh, uh, the truth is, the truth of the matter is, many people want to be impactful. They want to make a difference without embracing their individuality. They want to make a great impact without being who they are and embracing their individuality. Today, I encourage, uh, I want to encourage you to embrace uniqueness. You embrace, embrace what makes you different. Appreciate your awkwardness. Why? Because what makes you feel ridiculous in one season is what makes you relevant in another season. If you embrace your ridiculousness, you might be relevant in a season you don't even know you were born for. In, in one church, I'm ridiculous. In the next church, I'm so relevant. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, th I'm thinking back over my history, and I was just always just a little bit different than what I was surrounded with. And now you get to see something so relevant where before it would be so ridiculous to be this kind of faith-filled. This kind of positive, this kind of energetic, this kind of enthusiastic. It would stand out like a sore thumb, not to say it wasn't bad. It was just so different. Everybody say different. It's different. And you need to appreciate your awkward because what makes you ridiculous in one setting will make you so relevant and powerful in the next setting. And you must be willing. This is what it is. 
You got to be willing to live with your awkward long enough to let God do something awesome with it. Because it might feel awkward now, but it's going to get awesome if you just keep sticking with the difference that God has given you. There's a point that you will get to in your life where you will see why he's made you the way he made you. And you won't resent it. You'll embrace it. You'll say, I'm going after it. And the people that were appalled with you, I mean just disgusted by you in one season, will be in awe of you in the next season when you're willing to embrace your awkward. Come on now, people of hope. There's a lot. I mean, just disgusted, appalled. It's just nasty. Now in awe, wondering how in the world, where did this come from? We have been created by an amazing creator. I want us to get this. And each one of us have been gifted and designed uniquely different and distinct. Each one of us is unique and distinct. We've been created to have a unique impact on the world in which we live. I mean, think about it. I can't imagine not believing in a design, an intelligent designer, not believing in a God who gave every single person a unique fingerprint, everybody backwards, everybody forwards. None of these, this square inch right here, the square tiny little, little, little patch of real estate on your thumb doesn't match any other person to ever walk the planet nor ever to walk the planet. That's mind-blowing. I, I want you to get that. Your thumb has more uniqueness in it, and, and you say it takes a lot of faith to believe that this was just an accident. To believe that you were designed by default and not design. That you were designed by accident and somehow you just came into such unique, distinct patterns that are so mind-blowing that nobody could figure out how it happened. Come on, there is a God. He is real and He is for you and He has created you specifically for a specific purpose and a specific reason and nobody can open your iPhone except for you with your thumb. And you use it every day and you act like that's an accident? My God, you are unique and distinct just on the outside. Imagine the things that he's put on the inside of you that only you can bring to this planet. That only you could bring the genius and the beauty and the power of what he's put inside of you out. However, we live in a culture, that, that, you know, in a context that verbally celebrates uniqueness, but then visibly persecutes those who do not conform, who do not fit in, who do not look like the rest. And it's not just in our culture, it's actually in our church, where people say they love uniqueness, they love differences, yay, differences. But, and when it comes down to it, if you don't do what we do, you don't belong. If you don't look like we look, you don't belong. And that's crazy. We here at Hope Church say, you belong first before you believe. And then maybe you'll believe what we believe. And then maybe your behavior will shift. But we say you belong based on who you are created by God. You matter to him just as you are. You are good right where you're at. He will meet you right where you're at, but he'll love you way too much to leave you there for long. Come on. He is the God of empowerment. He's the God of enablement. He's the God who elevates and empowers you into a new lifestyle. But that's secondary to belonging in his community. To belonging in his house. Come on, he has so much love for you. You belong more in God's kingdom than anybody I know. I'm telling you, you are created for eternity with God. You were created for heaven. Like, oh, it'll be a cold day in hell before I go to church. I'm so glad you're here today. Before you watch, I'm so glad you're here. If I go in there, this will happen. If I do that, no, no. You were created for this. It's for his pleasure. You exist and we're created. You are here on purpose for a purpose. And it's unique and distinct. Ever say unique and distinct. And we're going to celebrate that, not just verbally, 
But in reality, we're going to celebrate who you are. Period. Period. I believe in a real sense it's strategic that God, the enemy, would come into our lives and try to suffocate and minimize our impact. I believe that if everybody were like me, the world would be a terrible place. And it's our differences that make us better. We are better together than we are individually all the same. And I love your differences. I love the way God designed you different from every other person. Because the only person, I want you to catch this, the only person that God will ever help you be is you. The only person God will ever anoint and appoint is you. You can't be something that you're not. I'm just telling you, he delights when you say, I am bringing who I am, what I have, everything I got to see unique difference made. I want to make an impact and embrace my individuality. Amen? When you have the courage to take off what Saul, you have the courage to take off what culture, what Christian culture says, what others try to put on you. Come on. When you have that courage, then there's a Goliath that you've been assigned to knock down. If you don't do it, it will never fall. If you don't embrace your individuality, you will never make that impact on that giant. But I came to tell somebody, 2021 is the year that you take off what doesn't fit and you start to fight right. Come on. You take off what doesn't fit and you start to fight right. You move forward with focus. Not trying to be what everybody else is. Not trying to conform to what everybody else. You move forward in focus of what you were born and created to be. Take off what doesn't fit and fight the fight that only you can fight. This is the year you're going to have the courage and the confidence to step out of the normal, to step out of the ordinary, and step into the original intent. See, everybody wants to make you ordinary like all the rest, but God has an original intent that started before you got started, and he said, I am destined and designed you to go for greater. So get away from all like the rest, the ordinary, and come into original creative intention. David said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He actually said it about himself with confidence. I am fearfully and wonderfully made that my heart knows full well. I want to ask you this morning, do you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and do you know it full well? Are you confident and secure in the full well? Because God is looking for you. Not your clone, he's looking for you. Not your culture, he's looking for you. Not your Christianness, he's looking for you. Not your conformity, because there's something unique that he has wired you to be. And when you step into who you really are, giants will fall, nations will be restored, and the people will be relieved. I mean, people are waiting for you to relieve them. You think about David. If he's not unique, if he's not distinct, if he doesn't embrace his awkwardness, there are people suffering because he's trying to conform to what King Saul wants. And they will never be delivered until he says, I don't fit in this. People are waiting for your uniqueness. They're waiting for you to embrace your awkward. You will see nations restored and people relieved and giants fall in the name of Jesus when you say, I embrace my awkward. I embrace my uniqueness. I am not like the rest, and that's okay. And there are some giants that are not falling in our culture because we're showing up to the fight wearing somebody else's stuff. It's time to restore. This is a series on restoration. It's time to restore your true identity, your original intent, and fight with a clear focus in 2021. To be what God has designed you to be. 
I just read from chapter 17 where David was being persuaded or distracted to be something else by King Saul. But it's in chapter 16 where David gets the clarity and the confidence to say, no, I'm good, sir. You think about how confident and clear you have to be to say to the king of Israel, the most important person in all the world, no, I'm good. I'm going to do it some, some other way. See, early in the story, King Saul was given specific instructions by God to carry out specific responsibilities. And he did it, but he did it in a way that made sense to the culture that people loved him for. So he obeyed God, but he kind of disobeyed God by partially obeying God. And he was created to do something unique and distinct, but instead he did what made other people happy instead of what he was created to do. He lacked focus and obedience to do what God had called him to do. And so now God gives instructions to a prophet named Samuel to go and anoint a new king of Israel. Because Saul is so afraid of people's faces that he won't act on what I need him to act on in obedience, confident in who he is. He has to keep everybody in the world, everybody in his church, everybody in his family happy with him. And he's not being who I created him to be. So God says, we have to move on. We're going to look for another king. I want you to go anoint a new king of Israel. He says, I found a king. He's at a man's house named Jesse. You don't know his name, do you? Just at a man's house named Jesse. It's a mystery man. A mystery man after my own heart at a man's house named Jesse. Everybody hold on to that. We're coming back there, okay? And so he tells Samuel, he goes to Jesse's house looking for the next king. He tells Jesse, I want you to get all your sons. I want you to bring them all out before me. It's a big deal to have Samuel, the, the, the judge of the day, be at your house. So Jesse goes and he gets seven of his eight sons. He gets seven of his best and brightest, and he brings them before Samuel. He gets all the legitimate boys out there before him, and Samuel looks at the first one, and he says, surely this is the king, the firstborn among many. He's good-looking. He's talented. He's gifted, and God speaks to Samuel and says, not so. It's not the guy. For men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, and I am looking for a man after my own heart. I don't care if he can please people. I'm looking for a guy who will please God and stand up and not wear what everybody wants him to wear. But he will live for an audience of one and be who I have called him to be in darkness, in the middle of nowhere, doing nothing with nobody watching, a man of character, a man who is who he says he is and does what he says he does, a man of follow-through. And Samuel goes through all seven of the king's sons with his horn of oil, and none of the sons meet God's criteria. The oil will not pour. So Samuel says to Jesse, is this everybody? Is this everybody in your house? Are these all your sons? Jesse says, no, I got one more boy, but he's out with the sheep, and I know that you don't want that one. I mean, I didn't even call him in from the fields because I know you have no interest in choosing that boy. And the story goes on. Samuel calls for David. When David comes before Samuel, Samuel used an actual ram's horn. That's what we're talking about, ram's horn full of oil in it to anoint the next king of Israel. Some historians suggest that when the first seven sons come before Samuel's horn, the oil would not pour. So he dumps it over. But when David came, finally, the oil was released. It came running out. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that seven people got to the horn before David did. But when God has something for you, it doesn't matter who gets there first, who wants to be who you are, who tries to steal what's not theirs. God will hold it in place until you get what he has ordained in your life for you. Come on, if you believe that, shout yes in this place. You have no competition when it comes to being you. 
There is nobody that can come and steal what you are and who you are. You are hands down the best you there is on the planet. You're the only you and the best you. And you are created and designed to crush this. And what God has for you, nobody can take from you. So stop being so insecure about missing your shot and missing your moment and not being recognized because what God has for you is for you. And it will happen. It will happen. I would say it will happen. So Samuel anoints David as king over Israel. 1 Samuel 16, 30, 13 says something that's a little concerning to me, and that is um, he anoints David as king, and then he leaves David standing in his father's house, drenched in oil. And he goes to a place called Ramah, and I'm confused because you just anointed me to be king, Samuel. Then you leave me, and you don't even take me with you. You leave me here in this abusive house of God, house of Jesse. I'm confused. Are you sending me the royal chariot back later to come and relieve me from my duties as a sheep person? Are you going to go prepare a room for me, Samuel? How is it that you anoint me to be king and then you leave me in this God-forsaken place where I'm hated by everybody? And after studying the text, I got a revelation that sometimes in life you have the anointing to be a king or the ability to be a king, but the responsibility of being a shepherd. What do you do when your ability... And your responsibilities don't match. Well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, but you've been made for so much more. And that's not who you are. That's just what you're doing in this season. Well, I'm just a mom who has to go to work, <laughs> and I just ignore my kids all the time. I always feel guilt, 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 guilt. Well, that's not who you are. You're not just a crazy, anointed um, workman, you know what I mean, workwoman. Because you are also a mother. You are more. You're not, God is big enough for both. Boxes are for products, not people. It's not this or that. It's this and that with God. You understand what I'm saying? So what do you do when your ability is bigger or overrides your responsibility in this season? Sometimes there's a gap that exists between your ability and your responsibility. The gap between anointing and appointing. See, you've been anointed. You just haven't been appointed yet. But don't lose who you are in the middle. Don't give up on who you are in the middle. This is where you may have the anointing to be a king, but the responsibility of tending sheep. There's a gap. Why does God allow this gap to be there? It's like a God gap. I believe he does it for three reasons, for a few reasons. Here are some in your notes. Three things built in the gap between your capacity and the crown you were born to wear. Between your capacity and the crown you are destined for. Number one, because he wants to fill the gap with character. As we get going in this new year, everybody say character. You can't fake character. You can't copy somebody else's character. You either build it yourself or you don't have it. God wants to build character in the season between capacity and crown. Okay? I'm not suggesting that David had bad character. I'm suggesting that greater responsibility in his future requires greater character. And before David could shift from tending sheep to leading a kingdom, God had to develop a character in him so that his character would be consistent with the position that he was about to hold from God. Because once he got into the kingdom, he will be confronted with a different type of opposition, a little bit more personal and a little bit stronger. When he's in his father's field tending sheep, his responsibility is sheep, and he faces lions and bears, right? But when he gets to the palace, it's not very personal. It's like a dog biting you. When he gets to a palace, he faces real humans who are throwing spears at him, and he has to have the character, character to dodge spears and not throw them back. 
I mean, he had a character to dodge something thrown at him very personally as he's playing a musical instrument and not pick it up and throw it back and spend his life in jail for attempting to kill the king. You see, it takes character to have that kind of self-discipline. And sometimes in our life, a gap exists between our ability and our responsibility because God wants to develop character that he's waiting has to be consistent for us where he's taking us. And again, he gets us ready for where he's taking us before we get there. You don't get character (laughs) while you're in the palace. You get it before you get to the palace in your father's field. Because when we get there, it's too late to get what you need. you got to have built it beforehand. So when you feel the gap, I want to encourage you. Maybe there's a gap because God is getting you ready for something greater. Maybe you've been anointed but not appointed because God has something phenomenal in your future. Maybe your eyes haven't seen it, your ears haven't heard it. You haven't even really locked in to what Samuel did to you on that day. But God might be getting ready to blow your mind, but you need character. You need character. Somebody say character. Sometimes a gap exists because of character building, sometimes because of competence. Number two, competence. It doesn't mean that David was incompetent, but greater responsibility requires greater competence. So watch this. At the end of the story, David defeats a giant with a stone. The story, he says he goes to the brook, he gets five stones. When he fights Goliath, he only uses one stone out of five. So he picked up five, but he only used one. He picked up five, but he only needed one. Everybody say, he just needed one. Meaning, he was so accurate with the stone that even though he picked up five, he hit his target on the first shot. And you don't get that accurate without practice, and you can't practice without missing a lot. You don't get that accurate without practice. You don't practice without missing a lot. But what God does in David's life and in your life is he so orchestrates the affairs of David's heart that when David's practicing and missing, practicing and missing, we know nothing about it. So whenever David saw, whenever David missed, we never saw him miss once in his life. We only saw David hit. And sometimes there's a gap in our life because God wants to perfect our craft to the degree that by the time we do it when everybody is looking, we can do it on the first shot. This might come as a shock to you, but I still believe I'm in my father's field. And I'm saying, he is helping me gain competence So that when nobody is watching, nobody, I mean, you guys are somebody, but I'm saying, compared to where we're going, nobody is watching. We can hit it on the first shot every single time. We can do it on the first shot. And I want to know, is there anybody here that just wants to thank God for allowing you to miss in private? For allowing you to miss? I'm so glad he lets me miss when just 450 people are watching on a Sunday. Or 700 with online. You know, I'm just so thankful he lets me list when there's just 300 people engaging on Sundays online and 400 people in the room. I'm so thankful that he lets me miss in private with people who are fighting for me, even though I miss. You understand what I'm saying? Is there anybody that would say, sometimes I have missed the mark, and I'm so glad God let me miss the mark when everyone wasn't looking and a whole nation didn't depend on me. So I want to tell you, sometimes what feels like frustration is really protection. I want to be, I want to go, I want to do. God anointed me. He hasn't appointed me. He hasn't anointed me. He hasn't appointed me. It's because he's protecting you to gain competence. 
I'm frustrated I haven't got the opportunity. Frustrated because the door hasn't opened for me yet and I'm 45. Frustrated because I feel like my gifts and my talents are not being recognized. Frustrated because I don't feel appreciated in my father's house. But sometimes what feels like frustration is really divine protection. Because you're not ready till you're ready. And God is the one who opens doors that no man can open. Who shuts doors that no man can shut. Do you trust him? Keep building, baby. If God is taking you somewhere, but I've got to slow you down so you can work some kinks out of your craft. Well, i got so many kinks, it's ridiculous. Thank you, Jesus, for working my kinks out. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working with my kinks. Let me miss in private. Because when the time comes to fight Goliath on that stage, in front of all those people who will call you King David someday, who will look to you for leadership and authority for the rest of their lives, you got to know what you're doing in that moment. And you got to know that you won't miss on your first shop. And you got to be able to do it so accurately and so repeatedly that you can do it on your first trot. That demands that God is with you. That demands that you are with God. So number one, develop character. Number two, in 2021, develop some competence. Number three, sometimes the gap exists because of conditioning. Third C, conditioning. Ever say conditioning. I've learned that with each level of responsibility and opportunity also comes brand new levels of pressure. I run towards pressure. I love pressure. Give me the pressure moment. Hand me the mic underneath pressure. Give me something under pressure. But pressure is really hard. (laughs) The opposite of easy. It's difficult. And your mind has to be conditioned to handle the pressure associated with new responsibilities in a healthy way or you will break under pressure. You will pop under pressure. Every time you move forward, there is a new pressure that requires you to focus differently. Requires your attention selectively. Every time there's new promotion, there's pressure. I would say with promotion, comes more pressure. They pay you more to deal with bigger problems. That's what promotion is. Promotion is, I sign up for more responsibility and more pressure. Right? Because God's enablement, God's assistance, God's anointing, God's power does not remove pressure. It's like, well, if God is with me, I won't feel any pressure. You want to talk to David about that? Well, if I just have enough faith, I'll never feel pressure. No, God's power does not remove pressure from your life. Pressure is often associated with responsibility, and pressure handling comes with conditioning. Sometimes the gap between, between what God has for us and where we're at is conditioning us to prepare us to handle the pressure that comes with new levels. There's more coming to your life, and if you can't win here, you can't win there. If you're not faithful with this, he'll never make you ruler over this kind of pressure. If you don't get conditioned here and here and here, why would he promote you? You keep failing the same tests. What do you mean? When David was about to fight Goliath and Saul attempted to talk him out of it, distract him out of it, David said, I've been conditioned for this. And without this spare time in the field, because I was tending to my father's sheep, there came a lion who tried to come and infiltrate my flock, a bear who tried to destroy what I was protecting, but I took care of the lion and the bear with my bare hands. And the same God that helped me defeat, the same God, the same God, what does that sound like? Conditioning. The same thing, the same God, the same thing, the same God who helped me defeat the lion and the bear. It's the same God, the same conditioning that will help me, enable me to defeat my giant, my Goliath. 
In other words, he says, I had no idea that when I was going through little problems in my past, that little problems were my preparation for the big problems in my future. I had no idea that this pressure was leading to this kind of pressure. But I've been anointed, and I'm about to be appointed. And pressure does not leave when you get appointed. And pressure does not leave when you've been anointed. You understand what I'm saying? And if I had not gone through that, I would not be able to handle this. If I had not gone through lion and bears, I would not be able to handle giants. But the same God, but the same God, and the same conditioning, and the same conditioning, and the same God. He is going to help me today. And I'm so glad now that all that waiting was not wasted. I'm so glad that all those tests were not just trials. They were to be passed so I could handle more pressure. Because not only was I building character, not only was I building competence, but I was being conditioned for this moment. And we see giant after giant after giant fall at David's sword and David's hands. I want to tell somebody, some of the things that you went through in 2020, they were not just for your agitation. They were God's ascension plan for you to move forward. See, David, David was in a divine agitation. Sitting in a field when he was born for a palace. A divine frustration in a field. But God did not anoint him king just for him to stay in that state of stagnation. No. He said, I'm going to agitate you until I elevate you. I'm going to agitate you because I have an ascension plan for you. Because agitation in this small field is your pathway to ascension in a much bigger battlefield. I got a bigger battlefield. I got a bigger giant. I got a bigger thing in store for you. But you got to be conditioned. See, what causes you to cry in one season is usually pointing to you and your calling in the next season. So I'm sick of this. I'm so sick of it. Sick of sick of it. Conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. It's actually pointing to your calling. You were born for something great. God said, I'm, the way I'm going to get you to ascend is to agitate you in the space that you're in. Anybody got like a holy frustration in 2021? Ready to go after giants? Ready to do something more? Knowing that you were born for more? Knowing that it doesn't exist just to survive, but you were born to thrive? Anybody got some agitation? Come on. And that agitation is for your conditioning so you don't settle in a spot in a season that is less than God's best for your life. You don't have to be limited by labels that others try to put you in. To David, he was little brother. Shut your mouth, little brother. Shut your mouth, proud brother. Shut your mouth, cocky brother. To David, he was known as little brother. To David, he was known as forgotten son, neglected son. There's already a king. He was known as a harpist, struggling artist. He was known as a shepherd boy. David had so many delivery labels. He was a delivery boy, a shepherd boy, a struggling artist. You know what I'm saying? He had all these labels by people around him. Let those labels go. Because in the kingdom, we don't have to be this or that. We can do this and that. We serve a God who is big enough for both fields with sheep and fields with giants. It's not exclusive. Your sheep do not point to your giants. But if you don't win with the sheep, you can't win with giants. If you don't keep up with the footmen, you can't run with chariots. You hear what I'm saying? And all of that running, all of that excelling, that's a verse. All of that stuff from the Bible, it's really talking about conditioning. If you can't keep up with footmen, how do you expect to keep up with horses and chariots? You've got to condition yourself. 
and calls us to live an impossible life. I love it. God is calling us to condition ourselves to step into impossibilities under immense amounts of pressure. We know that giants for David are impossible. He's calling us to a life of impossibility, but we must character. We must condition. Come on, we must get ready. and We must step up in our competence. It's impossible for a shepherd boy to become king of a nation. He's not in the royal lineage. There's already a king. There is an heir to the throne named Jonathan. It's never going to happen. Never. But God hasn't called us to a life that is hard for no reason or difficult for no reason. He's called us to an impossible life where it's so obvious that it was because of him at work in our life that we were able to do what we did with character, with competence, and with conditioning. We have to acknowledge God may be preparing you and conditioning you during the waiting time. Waiting is not for wasting. Because you had not gone through that crisis, if you didn't go through crisis, you would not be ready for the kingdom. If you had not gone through crisis, you wouldn't be able to bear the crown. Somebody say conditioning. So David has the ability to be king, but the responsibility of tending his father's sheep. It's got to be frustrating. The Samuel verse, Samuel leaves, David gets no word of when the transition is going to take place. But all the way over the palace, all the way over in the palace, the text says that Saul was having some mood swings. He's afflicted with these distressing moods, and his advisors say, let's, let's, let's bring in a musician called David from Jesse's house, and maybe the musician will soothe Saul's mood swings. Crazy psycho Saul. And so here he comes. He has to condition himself to be an amazing harpist that gets that call. Here comes David, right? They call in this amazing heart. David comes to play for Saul. Saul likes his playing so much. Sometimes he's throwing spirit, but other times he's a little bipolar. He's like, I like it so much. I'm going to bring you on as one of my palace people. You're going to work at the palace. And I want you to see what's happening here. David has the anointing to be king. He's tending his father's sheep. But what's the progression? He doesn't go from shepherd to king. He goes from shepherd to musician. And he's thinking, this has got to be it. You know, God, no matter what it takes, if you got to bring me through a shepherd's field, if you got to bring me through a harp, no matter what route you choose me to, to, for, for me to get there, I trust you so much that I'll protect sheep with my whole heart. I'll play this harp with my whole heart. I'll do whatever it takes until something opens up because I know you're the path maker. And I know what you've poured over my life. And I want to know, is there anybody watching today online that's so persuaded that God is going to get you to where he wants you to take you uniquely, individually, and you trust him, that you're willing to say, God, any route that you want to take to get me to where I'm supposed to go, any way you want to bless me, God, I will be satisfied. If i got to come through the door, I'll come through the door. If i got to come through a window, I'll come through the window. If i got to use my harp, I'll use my harp. If i got to put a hole in the roof, I'll come through the roof. But take me where you want me to go. I want to move forward. If you're ready to do whatever it takes to move forward, shout yes. I will do whatever you want me to do. Because I know what you poured on me, and I know the path can only be made by you. I won't win this battle by the strength of my own hands. We were singing it this morning. You're the mountain mover, and only you can. And I trust you. And I'm going to run with you, no matter what it looks like. Or who makes fun of me for it. I'm going to jump to chapter 17 now. And David, I love, love, love David for this. Watch what David does next. Once he gets promoted to one of the palace people, he works for Saul, okay? He does not abandon his responsibilities at his father's house. 
He's promoted. He's finally got an audience in the right room. He's finally with the right people around him, getting the right exposure that's going to set him up for success, seeing what he's going to be someday, looking at the chair he's going to sit in someday. Doors have opened for him, but every day he goes from the kingdom back to his father's house to make sure the sheep are taken care of. To make sure he doesn't drop his responsibilities. Every day, no matter what kind of responsibility he has with Saul, as often as he could, he went back to his father's house to make sure that the sheep were taken care of. He makes a decision to say, I'm not going to allow blessing to cause me to abandon the father's house because I won't be, I wouldn't be in this kingdom at all. I wouldn't be in this place at all had it not been for my father's house. Samuel said, go to Jesse's house. Samuel said, go to daddy's house. Samuel said, go to father's house. I wouldn't have gotten this position had it not been for the father's house i would never be promoted to where he's taken me had it not been for the father's house as a matter of fact samuel would have never found me if i wasn't in my father's house is there anybody in here that'll say the reason i've been able to endure in 2020 is because of what god has done in the father's house it's because what god is doing in me in the father's house And the reason I've been able to overcome every adversity in my life is because of the Father's house. It's because of what God's been doing in the Father's house. So no matter what door is open, I'll never abandon the building of the Father's house. No matter what opportunities present themselves, no matter what is restored into my life, I'll never abandon the Father's house. As a matter of fact, the only reason I was found is because I was planted in the father's house. God said, hey, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house. It's just so profound. I want to make sure you catch this. Imagine if David was away from his father's house because of some dumb big brother or some ignorant dad that he was being abused by on a Sunday. Imagine if he left the father's house because he was offended on a Sunday by one of his brothers. Imagine if he had not been in the place of his planting under Jesse's roof of authority. He would have missed his moment, missed his oil, missed his purpose, missed his destiny. Man, I thank God for an imperfect father's house to be planted in. Well, pastor, that church hurt me and those people hurt me. And I'm looking for something that's real, something that's better. Well, as soon as you showed up in this house, you made it imperfect. Welcome to the family. We're going to champion people. We're not going to criticize people. I got to move. I hope you're catching it. Planting is so powerful, and it so points you to your purpose. I'm not saying this to control people. I'm saying this to release people. And so you don't miss your moment that God has for you. No matter how gifted, how wonderful David is, is if he's not in the house, he doesn't get called. If he's not in the right field, (laughs) he doesn't get promoted you got to trust God. I've been faithful to your house. I've been faithful to your planting. I've, been, I've endured some pain in your house. But I'm so glad. If it hadn't been for Jesse's house, I wouldn't be this harpist. I wouldn't be this promoted person. i got to move. I hope you're catching it. You ready? So David goes back to the father's house, and his father tells him, I want you to take food to your brothers, another delivery area, and serve them who are on the front lines of war. I want you to serve your brothers. They need lunch. And David delivers. You know what I love about David? He's so competent, he always delivers. 
Every time he gets a job, every time something gets thrown at him, he delivers. As a harpist, as a journal boy, as a delivery boy, as a Domino's boy, he just delivers. And he's taken bread and cheese to his brothers. He hears insults being spoken to the Israelites and their God. And so what does David do? He's like, time out, hold the phone, wait a minute. Did you just hear what he just said? He's been doing this for how long? How many days? Who is this Philistine who dares to rise up and provoke the armies of the living God? Why are you being intimidated by an adversary who does not have covenant with our God? He says, why are you letting him get away with this? His brothers say, David, be quiet. You're arrogant. You're cocky. You're a punk. Shut your mouth if you know what's good for him. He says, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. If no one else will, I'll fight him and I'll win. Talk about opportunity. His brothers say, David, be quiet. And he says, I'm not afraid to enough people enough times that somebody took him seriously and took it to King Saul. I want you to be talking. I'm not afraid. I'm not intimidated. Enough times that somebody takes you seriously and takes you to somebody with authority. Saul gets the word. You mean the harpist shepherd? You know, the the person in my palace wants to fight the giant? He calls for David and says, David, I want you to know, I hear you wanting to fight giants, but he's been in war since he was a, a boy, and you're just a boy. You're just a youth. You know he's much taller than you, David. You know that, right? This is King Saul. You know he's stronger than you. You know that, right? You know he's not playing for, like, pretend. He's going to kill you. You know that you're going to die. And David says back to Saul, the same God that conditioned me in that field, the same God that conditioned me and built my character and built competence in me is the same God that will release me from this giant. See, Saul, Saul had focus on the giant. He had excellent focus. David had a selective attention to only see things a certain way. I tell you, your pastor, he has selective attention. No matter what you say to him, I will flip it and I will see it one way. It's by faith, not by sight. And you cannot talk me out of faith living. You cannot talk me out of faith perspectives. The reason I preach like I preach is because I refuse to see it another way. I have selective attention that God is good, that God is for me. And if God is for me, what can stop me? What can separate me? What can break me? You talk to me about our country, I got selective attention. You talk to me about politics, I got selective attention. You talk to me about sports, I got selective attention. You talk to me about your kids, I have selective attention. You talk to me about your problems at work, I have selective attention. I have a focus on God, not on your problems. Because God is bigger than your problems. He is so focused on God, Saul was so focused on obstacles. Saul was focused on the power of the enemy opposition. Saul was focused on how large and how strong the opposition was. And David did not deny reality. It is tough at work. And Corona does be crazy. But he just selected what to give his attention to. And his selective attention was stronger than Saul's selective attention. And it was rooted in something more true than what Saul was saying was true. Come on, we're building our lives on the word of God. We're building our lives on what God has said. He just selected who to give his attention to. He just focused on something just as real, but way more powerful. You know, I know, I know, I know the giant's real. I know the Philistine is real. I know Goliath is real. But I know a God who is just as real and way bigger than Goliath. Way greater than Goliath. He said, focusing on the size of the giant benefits me in no way. I want to tell you, some of you spin cycles of news in your head, and it benefits you in no way. It benefits you no way. 
You're not just informed, you're inundated. And you need to shut the TV off. You need to stop listening to the rhetoric. So he shifts his focus to the same God that was bigger than before. Same God. And he keeps moving forward into his future based on the fact that the same God was going to have his back this time too. He realized it doesn't matter how big the giant is. Come on now. My God is bigger. It doesn't matter how big the opposition is. The omnipotent one is bigger. It doesn't matter how great the enemy is. Emmanuel, God with me, God in me is greater. So instead of focusing on great, I'll focus on greater. Instead of focusing on big, I'll get to bigger. Because no matter the problem, I have selective attention. No matter the situation, my God is greater. Do you believe it in 2021? Your God is greater. And if he's for you, nothing can stop you. And where others will focus on the problem, I'll focus on the problem solver. Anybody fixated on the problem solver? We sing to the path maker, the way maker, because he performs faithfully. He always shows up and is bigger and better than opposition. Somebody say focus. If you focus on the wrong thing, you'll be overwhelmed and overcome. But if you have selective attention, focus on God, like Abraham, you'll say, is there anything too difficult for your God? I want to tell you, there is nothing too hard for God. He got Daniel out of a lion's den. He got some Hebrew boys out of a fiery furnace. He got Jonah out of the belly of a fish. He got Jesus out of the grave. And if he can do all of that for all of them, surely he can do anything for me. I believe this. So David decides, I'm going to focus on who's with me, not just what's against me. I'm going to focus on the greater one who lives in me, the same one that raised Christ from the dead. I'm going to focus on that kind of power more than the power that's coming against me. And Saul agrees. He says, okay, David, you can fight, but let me help you. You can do this, but let me help you. Take my armor because it's the best armor. And he has good intentions but terrible impact. I want you to take my sword because this is the best sword. I'm a king. They made this sword amazingly. Fighting my way is going to improve your chances of winning. You will win battles if you fight the way they've always been fought. Because David, if you want to win, this is how you win in life. And David doesn't act arrogantly. I love him. He doesn't say, you listen to me, old school. I've been fighting with rocks my whole life. Don't try to put this armor on me. What's up? Get up. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Get off me. What? Why are you sweating me, Saul? He's not like arrogant and cocky. No, he didn't act arrogantly. The text says he put it on and he tried it. He tried to walk around in something that wasn't him. And then he realized, I, I can't wear this. I can't wear this. This works for you, but it's a distraction for me. It works well for you to say hallelujah every other word, but it's a distraction for me. You see what I'm saying? But I, I can't wear this because that has been customized to fit you. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the word hallelujah or the way you do it, Saul. But I want to be relevant, and I can't do that. Hallelujah. Glory to God, brother. Hallelujah. Amen. What are you talking about? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying I can't wear that. What works for you won't ever work for me. Instead of saying one word, I'll say let it be so. Because I want to be relevant. i got to use what God has given me. I refuse to do it the way you do it. Not because I disrespect you. Just because it doesn't fit. And honestly, I want to bear fruit. It doesn't seem very effective. Obviously, everybody's afraid doing it your way. And for a good reason. It doesn't work. <laughs> I won't say that. But I want you to know, Saul, it's not the only way to win. There is more than one way to win. 
I know some of you hardline dads are like, this is the way you build a cabinet. And if you don't build a cabinet like this, you're not doing it right. And let me talk to you about people who do it right and people who do it wrong. There is more than one way to win, man. I know your dad was brilliant, but there were other dads that were also brilliant. <laughs> Why are you so stuck in what doesn't fit? It doesn't work. And if anything, like 2021, hello, certain things just, you know, this is how you send a fax. Who cares? <laughs> Nobody wants to hear the dial tone. This is how you dial up AOL. I, I, it's great. I, I don't need that. Some things just don't matter. And I'm talking about AOL, but there's other things that you hold on to so tightly that just literally don't matter. You're fighting for something that you're going to lose inevitably with. And if you let me fight my way, I will knock that, knock that giant out. I want your wisdom. I want all the help I can get. But I am born to be me. And God can't bless what's not me. I want you to hear that in your life. God cannot bless you being somebody that you're not. He wants you to be who he's authentically created you to be. David had enough courage and enough confidence to recognize what he could not wear, to have selective attention. See, Saul loved him. Saul wanted him to win. But sometimes those who love you the most will try to get you into the mold the most and break you down the most. Not realizing that your power to move forward is in your uniqueness. So you have the, have the courage to determine what you can and can't wear. To eliminate good ideas and bad ideas. Eliminate good ideas and bad ideas to get to what you were built and born to do. And what seems like a disadvantage, a rock versus a sword, a rock versus a shield, was actually an advantage for King David. Because Goliath's weapons only worked in hand-to-hand -hand combat. So what David did was, he took away the advantage. He refused to fight Goliath to where Goliath could use his advantage. He fought Goliath from a distance. And he fought him at a higher level. He fought him with a weapon that was small enough to hit a place on Goliath that was unprotected by armor. You got potent enough to knock him down so you could take his sword and cut off his head. And sometimes we might look at what we have. We'll say, well, I'm just not gifted like that person. And you might feel like you're at a disadvantage. But actually what feels like a disadvantage, we'll discover it's actually an advantage to becoming more incredible and coming up with more innovations and becoming up with more new ways to take that giant out. Your disadvantage is leading to innovation that people are starving for. Today you might feel like you're inadequate. You might feel like you're not enough. You're not good enough. You may feel like you don't have the skills that other people have. I want to remind you that you have what you need. That God has gifted you with everything you need. You've got a rock. Your personality is a rock. Your, your ability to use your skill set is a rock. Your gifts are a rock. Your connections to people are your rock. Throw it. And if you've got enough courage to aim high with what you have, and if you've got enough courage to aim high with what you have, and if you got enough courage to aim high with what you have, then you can knock your Goliath down where everybody else would be confused, overwhelmed, overtaken. See, he didn't just aim low, he didn't just aim middle. He aimed as high as he could to have maximum impact. If you have the courage and the confidence to aim high with what little you have, you will knock huge things out. Oh, come on, people of hope. 2021 is the year... I move forward with what God has given me. 2021 is the year I move forward with what doesn't look like enough. 
2021 is the year I move forward with what feels inadequate and I fight my giants anyways because the real power is not in my rock. The real power is in the rock, the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. This year, that Goliath comes down. Where I've aimed low, I aim high. Where I've aimed average, I aim high. If you're getting ready to go after your Goliath, give God a shout of praise in this place. I'm going to aim high. Come on now. This is the year we have the courage to discern and determine what we can't be and what we can't wear. This is the year we focus on what will work and what will happen. Focus is selective attention. The ability to discern what not to give your attention to. Focus brings to light. Focus restores us. We're talking about restoration in this series. Focus restores original intent that God gave you before everybody else put this stuff on you. Focus is what you found in the field when nobody was watching. Focus is what you had as a little girl when nobody cared about it. Focus is what you've been innately made to be. Get back to original intent. Original intent. And focus gives us the ability to take down much with the little that we have been given. This year will be a year where focus is restored unto you and you remember what you had before anybody was watching. I operate, we should operate out of what we had with Jesus before anybody gave a hoot about Jesus and us. Let's leave this place with a renewed focus on being who he uniquely has created and called us to be. Let's leave this place fired up and focused to be no one other than what he called me to be. So today, I want to embrace, I want you to ask you to, to just go after, to get enough courage to aim high with what you have. And I want to say one more thing. I've been asking you for three weeks. You will never hit a mark. You will never hit a goal that you don't set. You have nothing to aim at, I guarantee you, you will not hit it. Every single time, you'll miss 100% of the shots that you don't know where the goal is. Wayne Gretzky slash Michael Scott. You'll miss 100% of the shots you don't take, that's what Wayne Gretzky say. I'm saying, you'll never hit a goal that you don't have. Ever. Well, I'm, I'm too good for that, I'm better than that. Okay. Okay. I promise you won't hit it. You will not hit your impact point without knowing what you're aiming at. Please build something. Get something in your mind greater to go for. Come on. If you receive the word today, say yes. Yes. Come on. Give him one more shot of praise. I'm going to work courage. I'm going to work courage. I'm going to work competence. I'm going to work confidence. Come on. I'm going to work all the, uh, the uh, capacity that he's given me. I'm going to work it because I'm not just waiting for him. He's waiting on me. The God gap is for me, not for him. I want to work it. Today, if you want to get into relationship with Jesus, if you want to get in connection to the God who can help you take down things that you know, that you know, that you know you were born to take down, it only happens through relationship with Jesus. And today I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. To say, man, I want your power working on my normal. I want your super working in my life normal. Today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to get into relationship with Jesus, you want to get back into relationship, maybe you've walked away from him for one reason or another, I'm telling you, he is still for you. He is still with you. He still wants the very best for your life. 
He's here to excel you and promote you and to bring you into the fullness of what you were created for. Don't give up on him. Come back to him today. He has not given up on you. He is running after you. Take one step in his direction. As an act of faith, I'm going to ask you just to simply raise your hand. Take one step as an act of faith on the count of three to say, that's me. Thank you, sweetie. That's awesome. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, you want to get into a relationship on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say yes to Jesus. And text yes, I say yes, one word, to 94090. If you want to get back into relationship or relationship with God for the first time, come on, he is for you, not against you. One, today is your day. Come on. Two, don't wait. Don't hesitate. This is your moment. Act. Take an act, a step of faith. Three, that's me, Pastor. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Sir, that's incredible. Looking in the balcony, I'm scanning for you. If you want to get right with Jesus, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or the hundredth time, you know you've walked away inside. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of elevated and empowered in Christ. Come on, we're going to find freedom in Jesus. Nobody looking around, just one more moment. Give everybody an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I say yes to 940 nine zero that's incredible can we celebrate these decisions people of hope best decision of your life come on we celebrate with you bible says it's so easy if you believe in your heart and you ask him with your mouth he will come into your life and he will totally and change it empower it renew it make you a new creation so today let's do it together church jesus i give you my heart i give you everything i am everything i'm not and i trust your original intent for my life. I say yes to your destiny. I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to your healing. Come on, Jesus, have your way in me. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me a new creation. I give my life to you. And everybody said, let it be so. Come on now. Hey, hey, hey.